Good morning. Our verse from today is from the book of Luke, and we will be reading the first four verses. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good also to me, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. This is the word of God. Good morning. We've, I've met many of you, but my name is Trip Beans, and I am the campus minister with RUF at University of Maryland, Baltimore County. And uh, just quick update, um, RUF at UMBC is just really exciting place to be right now. Uh, we're growing, and we're not even recognized on campus yet. Uh, last, last November, we had like 50 students for a Friendsgiving event, and our attendance just hasn't dropped. Um, we had two Bible studies this past year. We now have equipped Bible study leaders, and um, most of the year I've been having to rain students in. They're so excited to go just do RUF, and I'm like, let me equip you first. Let me give you some tools, and then you can go do it. And so when we, when we hit campus in August, um, they're going to get to go, they're gonna, and they're chomping at the bit to do it, and we're excited to be a part of it. So thank you for supporting us. We are so grateful. Uh, Thanks for giving me the opportunity to be with you over the next three weeks and filling in as Pastor Brian's on sabbatical. Uh, it's a joy and it's actually a help to be here. I say it's a help because I'm using this opportunity uh, to write sermons that I'm going to use this fall when we start large group. And so you are my uh, guinea pigs and my motivation. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, uh, so you're going to get to hear all the sermons before the students do, or at least you'll get to hear three of the sermons before the students do. And over the next three weeks, we're going to start um, a sermon series I'm calling That Really Happened. And the goal is that you and eventually our students will be encouraged in your faith in Jesus. You know, when Brian and I and a lot of other pastors stand to preach on a Sunday morning, we're preaching to believers. We're preaching to people that know Jesus, and our goal is to encourage you and to uh, equip you and even to sometimes reproof, cause some, we want to cause a little bit of like, oh, I'm sinning here, and, 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 and cause you to consider the gospel in response to those sins. But simultaneously, we always preach with the idea that there may be people in the room that don't know or aren't currently trusting Jesus. In my experience, when you're preaching on campus, it's about 70-30 in your group, not on campus. 70% Christian, 30% not Christian. So when we do large group starting in the fall, <coughs> for every 10 people, I expect there are probably three non-Christians in the room or at least three that don't understand the gospel. So you can almost guarantee there's someone that doesn't know Jesus in the room. But here's the thing. Both Christians and non-Christians in some ways need to hear the same thing. We need, we need to hear the stories of Jesus to encourage us in our faith in him 
or toward him. We need to hear the stories that tell us who he is and who we are and what he's about and what we're currently about and what we should be about. We need to know, we need to know Jesus. And with that said, I want you to hear the big idea for you this morning is I need water. Thank you. I'm recovering from, uh, from being a little sick and I have some lingering congestion. With that said, I want you to hear the, the big idea for this morning. In the four, first four verses of the Gospel of Luke, God makes it clear that he knows our faith ebbs and flows. And he offers the story of Jesus to bring certainty to your faith. He knows that faith is strong and then faith is weak. And he wants you to hear the stories of Jesus so that you can know for certain that this is true. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you in the midst of a crazy world and a crazy life. And some mornings we wake up and we can't feel any closer to you or we can't imagine it. And some mornings we wake up and we are so far from you. Some mornings it's just easy to obey and some mornings it's hard. Would you be at work with your Holy Spirit to draw us close to you? Not just to be rooted in what we feel, but rooted in what we know. Bring certainty to us. We're grateful for the opportunity to be together. We're grateful that you love us and died for us, that you rose again, Lord Jesus. Remind us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <coughs> Let's talk about the essence of faith. Luke writes this great opening to the gospel. If you read it in Greek, it's one long sentence, right? The Greek writers seem to really enjoy these, what we would say are long run-on sentences. But he, 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 he writes this beautiful sentence, and it's actually uh, historically the way authors who were, um, who were writing something really important, that's how they would open their, their, their work, right? Is with this long introductory grand sentence. And he acknowledges that many have tried writing the story of Jesus down, and this is his attempt. He tells us that he himself has talked to eyewitnesses, and he even gives us the intended recipient of the work, Theophilus. Theophilus is a Greek term for God-lover, and there's some, dis there's some discussion, some debate was there really such a person as Theophilus or was Luke using Theophilus as a poetic idea toward all the people that know and follow and love Jesus? In some ways, it doesn't really matter. Finally, Luke gives us the goal that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. Imagine with me for just a second that Luke is writing this gospel with all of you Theophiluses in mind. He was, he was picturing, maybe not you specifically, but he was picturing people who are trying to follow Jesus every day, and he's right, I'm going to write this gospel for them, you. Maybe he was even picturing a couple Theoskeptics Maybe you're here too. 
Maybe you're not certain about what's being taught. But this gospel was written that you can have certainty concerning what you've been or what you're about to be taught. That when you wake up in the morning, you can go, oh yeah, I remember. And be confident in the faith that you have. But what is faith anyway? Let's do a quick review. <coughs> Excuse me. Hebrews 11.1 1 is the most concise definition of faith that I think is out there. And it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and it's the conviction of things not seen. To be a follower of Jesus, we have to have assurance and conviction in Jesus. Who he was, what he did, how he did it, and that we need it. We need these sureties. We need these convictions. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks the question, what is faith in Jesus Christ? And it answers, faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. This question and answer fits well with the definition from Hebrews. In order to be saved from sin or from our disobedience and rebellion from a God, we must have assurance and conviction that Jesus paid for our sin and his payment is enough. That's faith. Assurance and conviction that Jesus paid for your sin and that it's enough. And while this definition of faith is true, it can actually be developed more, can it? Coming out of our trust in Jesus' payment for our sin, there also comes a faith that is more out of obedience to God, more of a what-would-Jesus-do kind of faith. From here, we get our ethics as Christians. We watch Jesus, we read the Bible in order to find out how we should act and how we should live. This requires faith because living this way isn't always easy. It isn't always popular. The very best place I can go to show you um, this next set of, of this, this following Jesus by faith idea is the next set of verses. In Luke 1, 5 through 25, we discover there's this old woman named Elizabeth. And Elizabeth's never been able to have a child. And she's going to have one. She's told she's going to have one. And this baby is going to play a big role in announcing the coming of Jesus the Messiah. And this news is so hard to believe that Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, questions the angel that makes the announcement to him. Can you imagine? You're a priest, you're serving in the temple, and this angel shows up and says, Zechariah, I know your wife is old. I know she's been barren her entire life, but she's going to have a baby. And you look at the angel and go, oh, yeah? He did. And the result was that he was mute. He was unable to speak until Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, had conceived and given birth. She wasn't even pregnant yet. Similarly, in Luke 1, 26 through 38, we're told of a young woman, Mary, who isn't even married yet. She's also going to have a baby. 
And the baby that she's going to have is going to be called the son of the most high God. An angel told her as well. She lives in a culture where premarital pregnancy is bad. It's despised. It can get really bad, actually. The question of faith for these women becomes, how do I live in light of the situation God has put me in? How can I be certain of what I hope for here? How can I be convicted, con- con- convinced of what has yet to, be, yet to happen? How do I live in a way that expresses those things? Some days, these women may have asked the question, how do I get out of bed today and live the life that God wants me to live? These are the questions of faith. These are the questions of how do I follow? For some of us, big public expressions of faith may not be all that hard. We just do them because we know we're supposed to or we're confident in them. But being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see when we have to tell the truth about hurtful things we've done, that's harder to do or expressing love to people who are hard to love, or sharing the abundance of things that God has given us, or stepping out into what seems like a vast void of unanswered questions because we feel like God may want us to do something new. Those expressions of faith are so much harder. We sometimes have to ask the same question, how am I going to get out of bed today and follow Jesus? So as Christians, the surety and certainty that saves us from sin also guides and directs us as we learn and practice to be more like Jesus. And so we need the stories in the Gospel of Luke. We need to hear the accounts of the people that were there. We need to hear the hope found in these pages. We need to see Jesus act and love and relate. But when it comes to faith, there's also challenges to our faith. (coughs) We live in a post-enlightenment, highly data-driven, show-me-where-it-doesn't-exist type of culture. And faith is seen as something to be highly skeptical about. Many of us can find ourselves being skeptical about our own faith in Jesus. Some of the things that we need to be sure and certain about are so big. We need to be sure and certain that there is a creator God who has no beginning and no end, and when he spoke, things came into existence. I've never seen that done, nor can I do it. So I have a couple questions, honestly. I believe it, but I have a couple questions. We need to be sure and certain that sin can actually be defeated by the work of Jesus. It becomes easy to look around and get discouraged by our sin. Our country's divided. There's war and terrible things happening to people all over the world. Money doesn't go as far as it did a year ago. Bad things are happening to good people. At times, evil seems to go unchecked, and I and you struggle with sin, and some of it's the same stuff that we've been struggling with for years. And so we might have a few questions. 
It can be hard to have faith, especially when some of these awful things land close to home. You know, I took the long and winding road to become a pastor, 17 and a half years of youth ministry in a couple different churches. For 13 of those 17 and a half years, I was in seminary. Talk about needing faith to think it might come to an end. Seminary, let me tell you. We moved to Lancaster County to do RUF in 2013. And all the campus ministers in RUF are ordained in the PCA. It took me nine months to study for and take all the exams to become an ordained PCA minister. And I was ordained on June 14th, 2014. And I remember shortly before my ordination day, I sat on the couch with my wife one evening, we were watching TV and I turned off the TV and I erupted into tears. And I told her that I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I could accept the ordination, that I struggle with faith. There are days, sometimes frequent, sometimes less frequent, where I'm not sure what I believe in is true. Don't get me wrong. I don't know what the answer is if it isn't Jesus. If it isn't Jesus, man, I think we're in real trouble. But there are days, some of the things we believe in are hard for me to accept. And I felt like a fraud. Felt fake. My wife was so kind to me. She reminded me that my faith is also from God. She said, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, God gives faith. As long as God is at work within me, and I believe that he is, I'm going to have faith. By the way, as long as God is at work within me, period, I do believe that he is. I'm going to have faith as long as he is at work in me. In our first point, we talked about Hebrews 11 giving us the definition of faith. After that definition, the author goes on to describe a whole bunch of people that he uses as like examples of the pinnacle of faith in Scripture. But if you look at a bunch of these people, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, they all had major failings, epically blew it. They did not always seem to have surety and certainty that Hebrews 11 talks about. Or their surety and certainty didn't inform them at the time. Some of them failed so epically. So when I share my story, I have some confidence that, that I'm not the only person in history or in this room that has felt fraudulent in their faith. You see, we need the stories of Luke. We need to hear the stories that he 
interviewed people about, and he wrote down because we need certainty regarding what we've been taught. And there's a hope of faith. As we go through the next couple of weeks, and if you take some time to read through the Gospel of Luke this month, and I would encourage you to, just go through and read. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what you'll find. You'll find encouragement that Jesus really is the one that has been waited for. And over and over and over, you'll see Jesus healing people that are broken and impaired. You will hear the accounts of Jesus forgiving sins. You will hear stories of Jesus being with people you don't think Jesus ought to hang out with. You will get to read Jesus' sermon about what it looks like to live in a kingdom manner. And this sermon is filled with challenge and truth and grace. You read about Jesus putting ministry in the hands of his followers and sending them out. There are accounts of Jesus having power over nature and death. You get to hear about Jesus casting out demons and spending time with friends and Jesus telling stories. Finally, and most importantly, you will hear how Jesus was tried, crucified, and buried. How he overcame death and resurrected. And he did all this for those of you who will have surety and confidence in him and his work. The account in this book, the accounts in this book, will correlate with the things that make faith so hard for you today. You'll read them and go, oh, yeah, I relate to that. Oh, yeah, I get that. This book will challenge your sins. This book will remind you of your ethics. And this book will point out that Jesus is for you. Dear Theophilus's, and theoskeptics. God has sent you this book through Luke so that you can have certainty concerning what you have been taught. Let's pray. Lord, we've made a whole bunch of assumptions here about your word and about who you are. And it's so circular because it's rooted in your word and who you are. But we need something big and something beautiful like the gospel to speak into us and to transform us to be like Jesus. Or truthfully, we question whether or not there's hope. And so, Lord, work in us. Encourage us. Convict us. Offer us grace through the gospel of Luke. The story of Jesus. We need it, and we're grateful, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.